Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 21st of 2018. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHats.com. This week on the podcast, we will once again check in on the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have played six games. Um, They have last played against Toronto and shut out Toronto, so I think that's worthy of a of a discussion, uh, shutting out the hottest team in hockey uh, is pretty good. Yeah, 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 you'll take you'll take that any day of the week. Um, and then we'll make our way around the league. So we're starting uh, with Pittsburgh. At times, live dangerously against Toronto, but I I think that isn't something I would ever hold against them because Toronto is going to do that to everybody. I was going to say, that's going to be a league theme. <laughs> yeah, so um, the the good news for Pittsburgh is unlike a lot of those other teams, they too can make life hell with some of their awesome players too. Uh, but the story and of that game was the goaltending. Both goalies were, were quite good. I, I've watched the highlights of the game and didn't get a chance to watch the, the entire thing. And... Um, that's that's a, it seems as though that's a good hockey game in that lots of chances it was really a, a two zip game and you sit there with it and go good games don't have to be high scoring high chances are usually what does it for me yeah and you know when you think Pittsburgh Toronto you you think goaltender duo so or duo. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do <laughs> right so yeah uh but plays like uh Tavares left Latang in the dust around near the hash marks on a really nice uh stop and go on the half wall move and the problem with beating Latang is that for some reason he always finds his way back like the recovery well, was bl- great you can't blame Latang for reaching for the puck in that situation like i i normally wouldn't want somebody to reach for the puck in in that situation but he's one of the few players in the league that like you said can recover from that spot and um make up for a situation that you're sort of going oh this is not good so oh no that, um, that's that's not a reflection of Latang. that's just Tavares making an awesome correct. move and I, <clears throat> I was pretty impressed that Latang got back enough to alter his free path to the goal and ended up with a, a shot, which was pretty impressive considering how Latang closed down on him and a, you know, a save by Murray who made every save that night. Uh, good to see Matt Murray yes. playing at the, uh, Stanley Cup level. It's a quick comeback considering that people in Pittsburgh were writing him off. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I'm I'm not going to write anything yet. Don't know what the hell he's going to be this year. Seen some awful, seen some awesome, seen an injury. You have um, you have a good bailout though, because I think ever since we've done this podcast, you've always said goalies are a raffle. So you can have career years, and then you can have the worst of worst valleys the year after that. So. Problem is he had that last year. Yeah, c- correct. But um, so you'd, you'd pray that, for the Penguins' sake, that he doesn't 
like have another one. But that's not to say that he's still not a good goalie. It's it's handy for Pittsburgh that it looks as though um, DeSmith and Jarry are going to be capable enough to not totally bottom the team out if uh, if Murray does struggle. Um. Well, no, I th- I don't like them as much as some. Um, Jari's really got to show me some upper-end AHL numbers this year if if I want to take him serious moving forward. Because... It's really interesting. He was their top prospect until Murray leapfrogged both of them. And Gustafson like he was got a... traded. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, Jerry was in the system before they got Gustafson, right? Like, he was supposed to be the next guy up to back up Fleury. And then Matt Murray just went, well, went on a tear and and is what he is. So it it does show you how hard it is to predict what the hell goes on at that position. Um, But you are probably right. He does need elite AHL numbers. Um, Look, it's not a Carolina situation, though, where they're playing Curtis McElhaney and he is quite clearly not up to snuff for what that team needs. Yeah, um, you know, and and uh, as I've always said, you know, it, when you can't really predict goalies all that well, if you're only paying four mil, you still have options. Well, you've got wiggle room in the rest of the roster. You just try not to fuck up the rest of the roster's signings, but it gives you that wiggle room. It's it's why you only pay seven million dollars to guys like like Lundqvist. Because they're the only kind of guys, and they're rare. Like, they're so rare. Like, you shouldn't have many goalies getting paid that much money. Yeah. That it, and, yeah. And, and it shouldn't be after their best years, which is what it's always been. This is a not pay for potential. This is a pay for previous performance league still. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues to change with some of these younger guys that are starting to get signed. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, Murray should have the next start against the uh, Edmonton Connor McDavid's. Oh, yeah, they do get to play again, don't they? Yeah, they're taking so much time off in between games. Which is going to be bad because they're going to be back-ended at the tail end of the year. Yeah, they seem to be having... um, a lot of three-day gaps, <laughs> and by a lot I mean more than one. <laughs> this early in the yeah. year is is quite a bit. Yeah, and um, you know, I, it's probably not a bad thing for Murray to be further removed from whatever um, contact caused him to have concussion symptoms. Yeah, when that cropped up, was anybody able to sort of like highlight when it happened? Like, was it a Puck to the mark. I don't remember sort of seeing anything that said, yeah, this is I don't why. Throw Mata under the bus. I thought I had seen his name on a practice shot, maybe. But. Oh, well, we'll just throw him under the passing. bus anyway. It was in passing, so I, I didn't t- take too much. Uh... Oh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I was just like, well, it doesn't really matter how it happened. It did. Yeah, well, that's exactly... Well, that's the thing. I didn't see it in-game as such. That's why I'm sort of going, what happened here? So, you know, if they get the Toronto version of Matt Murray, they can go really far, even if the other stuff isn't where it needs to be. And Other stuff being the 
back six because I think the front, the top six are going to be okay. Yeah, so I was looking at some of the trends on the roster because that's all we really have right now. I don't know how anybody could pretend to use this six-game sample as any kind of prediction measure. The best you can do is look at some stuff, see if there's any like similarities between who's playing with who, and then keep an eye on it and see if a trend develops. But it's the toughest part of year to write, I think. At least the kind of yeah. stuff that I usually do because I don't have samples that are worth a damn to have strong opinions. And, you know, Ottawa's shooting 12% right now and has a winning record. Like, really? Let's, let's be real. Yeah. That's not going to uh, happen. Hmm. They're going to fall back down to earth. They are a crappy team. You know what I mean? But the Absolutely. trend that I've seen with Pittsburgh is they are a one-line team, which isn't good. And I don't mean that they don't have good forward depth, but here is what I'm saying. Um, I mean, obviously, I know uh, Gino and Phil are great and they're on a line, but when we talk about possession through six games, we only have five players above 50%, and those five players have, uh, the D pair has been lined up with the forward pair or trio, and that's Sid's line and the Latang Dumoulin combination. So they've got a they've got basically a five-man unit that's, that's got this team on its back at the moment. Um, as far as possession's concerned. Yeah. Which is a trend worth keeping track of because you not really shouldn't expect to go fire as a 47% possession team. It's, it is funny. Like, the year they won the cup, they got caved. The second year they won the cup, they got caved in possession-wise. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they have the, the top-end talent to be able to nullify that possession drag. But they're a year older now. Well, they're two years older now from that cup. So you're asking them to do uh, a yeoman's man amount of work to just try and get this team to sort of float it even, really. And that's that's hard. Uh, yeah. And furthermore, that cup run was backed by Fleury's awesome goaltending, especially against Washington, and Matt Murray coming back in and being great, and shutting out the Predators back-to-back games to close the series out. Yeah, you're asking for a lot of things to go right. When you you need that goaltending if th- this trend turns out to be reality. And we, don't, we just went on a whole few-minute rant about we don't know where Matt Murray is right now. Like, even average goaltending is probably not going to do it. If only a certain three forwards, when they play with a certain two defensemen, are able to play in the offensive zone more often than not. Yeah, I don't know how they... It's This is a tough one for me, because I don't know what else they can do. They've only got two defensemen that seem to be able to move the puck. Right now, they seem to be pairing Latang and Dumoulin up 
with the Crosby line, and they're just going, let's just ride them for now. Let's just try and ride it out and see what happens with the bottom four defensemen because they're playing rotation city at the moment with those bottom pairings, the second and third defensive pairings. And until they get something they're comfortable with, I don't think we're going to see much of a change. Yeah, and over large samples, I would argue that's not good. And I know that the market's already been cornered on Penguins coverage that blows sunshine and rainbows up your ass at every turn. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to ignore those things, you it's easy to do. Every goddamn outlet out there is going to, to cater to that. I reckon they need to trade Hornquist. <laughs> and I didn't think they could, right? I literally didn't think they could, but you kind of convinced me last week that there's going to be an idiot out there that will take on that contract. And I'm banking on that idiot existing. Okay. Um, so keep, okay, bank that for a minute. We'll come back to that. Because I did want to uh, talk a little bit about Hornquist, but before we do, I wanted to maybe suggest something they could try and do to try and get uh, the the puck moving in the right direction. And that would be to play Alimata with Chris Letang. If he's a chameleon, as we've hypothesized, he'll be fine. And the first pairing will still be good. But if Brian Dumoulin's as good as um, some think... And he's better than a complimentary player. This is the time he needs to show that so that they can spread the wealth a little bit and maybe get the puck up a little bit more. Problem being, they don't have a right defenseman other than Chris Letang on this roster. I don't even know how that's possible. I mean... Hang on, are you telling me out of the six they've got out there rolling around at the moment, it's 5v1 lefties? Yeah. Jesus Christ! I mean, somebody and, and obviously it's not has just, to play. And I don't mean just they—they they happen to be left-handed, yes. But not only that, none of them are play the right side. You would be playing a lefty on the offside. Yeah, they'd be, and they'd be playing a side they're not particularly comfortable with. There's a reason that they're all playing that way, as well. Geez, so Schultz hurts even more, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's well. He's out four months. Last podcast, we we suspected that. Um, he was going to miss some time. Uh, it's not the whole year, even though four months from now, can he get back into playing uh, top-end hockey, or his ceiling uh, remains to be seen. So that'll be a question mark. No doubt that he'd be an upgrade over what pile of shit they have playing the offside. Um, if if he if he does get back in four months, that's February-ish, right? Somewhere yeah. in the middle of Feb. So that's still March. Because the playoffs start April, right? Mm-hmm. Like the start of April. They don't start in March. That's about a month and a little bit. Five weeks should be enough for him to get up to speed. It's about 15 games. Yeah. So, so that's, not that, a that is loss. good news. Um, the problem with all of this again is that's assuming Chris Letang plays every game. Oh, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. Absolutely. He has no history of missing games at all. So there's a problem. (laughs) Big problem. 
But yes, I do think splitting up Latang Dumoulin has to happen to spread this out a little bit. Or you keep Latang Dumoulin and you stop playing them with Crosby and hope that his line, those three forwards can really uh, prop up the defenseman, whoever they're with. What's well, kind of where you're at, isn't it? It doesn't look like they really want to split Latang and. But the problem with Latang and Dumoulin not playing with Sid is who do you play against the other team's best players? Yeah. Um, if Latang's got to sp- spread his time with, um, you know, the third line. I didn't. I didn't realize how important Schultz was to the balance of that back six. He really did create some really good balance there, and him being out really makes it tough. They can't keep going status quo with the same four in in the last two pairings. They just... Or or maybe Jack Johnson will start playing better. Sorry, what'd you say? Yep. Maybe, no, no, seriously. I, I, no. Maybe maybe he's not a 42% possession player. <laughs> did you so, did you see his did you see his quote about advanced stats? Jack Johnson had one? No. Yeah. The, the musician or the hockey player? I bet the musician has a better take on it. <laughs> Probably. He just got there and said, I don't need to see advanced stats to know whether I play play good or bad. So quite clearly, he is paying attention to his numbers. He knows perfectly well that he's getting caved in possession-wise, and he doesn't know how to change that. Any player that gets there and says a statement in that vein about advanced stats is paying attention to them because the team is showing them the numbers. And he's probably not liking the fact that he feels like he's coming off the ice and he feels like he's played a good game, but the puck is is down his uh, end of the zone far too often. As as was going to be the case. And the thing is, he sucks offensively. Well, that's your bailout. I mean, that's the Justin Schultz bailout. Yeah, except he's, you know... He's not good offensively. He's not. He needs to be good defensively, and he's not. No, and I mean that's that's kind of Oli Marta's problem as well. What what kind of gave Oli a, a leave pass at times was that he could generate offense when he started getting caved in possession wise um, when he moved away from Niskanen. So the more and more I think about it, this podcast going along. The more and more I'm, I'm quite happy with the whole thought process of put the chameleon up with the best defenseman on the team, uh, see if Dumoulin is as good as, as it appears that he is or everybody needs him to be or wants him to be, and, and give it a crack for five or six games. Um, it's not too early in the... It's not too late in the year that, that doing stuff like this is going to hurt your standings. Um, they're still going to get points. So... And I think you got to get Chad Ruedel involved here at some point. That's amazing to say that. You're right. As, as a righty, as someone who has played for them when they won it all, 
I mean, I don't know how long the recall uh, experiment's going to go. What's been what's been your eye test on him? I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I ever watched him play before these six games. <laughs> you know, but, but that's sort of why I asked. It's not like you, either of us have had our eye on him coming through from you know Europe to come in and and play, and it's it's quite amazing. I think it's a little bit. It shows how desperate Pittsburgh are. The fans know their back six is short. I think it shows you how much they want him to succeed by how positive they all are with what he's done. Um, and I think it's just the fact that he hasn't he hasn't made any egregious errors, and that's a pretty low bar to be getting as excited as people are about him. Well. His possession's 37% through these six games, so there's that. Yeah, and this is why I'm asking the question. It's like, what are we getting excited about here? He's in his own zone a lot. He he seems to be able to handle himself in his own, but he's not stopping shots, and he's not really generating anything the other direction. No. I mean, Mata's down there. Jack Johnson's down there. Jamie Alexiak's at 44%. Like I said, those four just—it's not happening. I I really do wonder. I was really hoping Alexiak and Schultz would get to play together a lot this year, and Alexiak would take another step forward with the help of Schultz. Well, that's toast now as an option. So it's probably going to be on Alexiak to be the the driving force of that yeah, line. And it's not the question is, has he got this? Has he got the skill set? And nope. Small sample, small size, but it's not looking good. It's not a small sample, though. He did play in Dallas. You know what I mean? Uh, like we have, we have yeah. a look of what it looks like when he's kind of not getting a lot of help from a partner. It does show you that quality of teammate for defensemen matters a lot, as opposed to who the forwards are that they play with. So the guy that they're skating next to seems to have a larger effect on defensemen across the league than quality of teammate when it comes to the forwards with the defensemen. So I sort of thought maybe maybe the, the fact that the Pittsburgh forwards are a little better than the Dallas forwards depth-wise and all that sort of stuff might help Alexiak out as well. But quite clearly what goes on in, in front of him is, is not really helping him at all. So basically 44 to 48 is what we're going to get out of him for the year. It's a good point. And, you know, they don't have a lot of assets moving forward if this doesn't correct itself. They've been going all, all in on the cup for a few years now, and I don't have a problem, obviously, with that, considering who they have, what ages they are. Uh, that's not even a hindsight thing. After winning two cups, that would be just, uh, you know, you only get Sid and Malkin at the same time once. Let's let's do well, this thing. The, the problem being, when, and you've said it, when you fuck up the margins, you can't can't recover. This, this league is, is too tight. You don't have the flexibility with the margins, and the superstars, forward-wise, aren't on the ice enough 
that when your general manager screws up the margins, they can make up for it. It's not like you can just throw LeBron out there for 44 minutes a night and make up for the the issues. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers right now are playing Connor McDavid some ridiculous amount of ice time to cover up for the fact that this team is toast, like the Oilers are toast. And he's doing that. But he's also, you know, what is he, 20? And yeah. he's, he's got the legs to do it. You know, Gino and, and Sid and, and Phil are, are all over 30. So is Latang. Um, you need to fill the margins better. And and they haven't. And you... you Jack Johnson's part it, of this. That was an investment to the defense position. And one that it's failed. That... Failed to this point. There's been no evidence that he's going to give them $3 million worth. No, no, he's not. And you can try and pretend that you can find positives out of what he does. Oh, or, it's or already that. started. It's the Chris Russell. No, no, that's what I mean. No, I know. And, and, and <clears throat> excuse me, it's disgraceful. It just shows you that the people, it just shows you that Pittsburgh fans can quite clearly see that the team needs him to do well. I don't think it's an anti, I don't think it's an eye test v stats test argument i legitimately think a lot of this with pittsburgh fans is they know they need jack johnson to actually be good and they're rooting for him to be good out of the one thing that drives all the penguins fans they need they want the team to do well yeah i like it when they do well it's more interesting it's uh because i like a lot of their players uh but at the same time that's never you know, I I create my opinions based on all the stuff that I look at. And when I find things that aren't, you know, advantageous, I talk about them. Quite frankly, there's a huge void in the coverage of the team. And, there isn't, and, there, and we've there. been overly negative today, and they're 3-1-2, and two, and that's great. But we hold them to the standard of the current situation, which is they are gunning for a Stanley Cup. To win those, you can't come up short in the areas that we're talking about today. And, and realistically expect it to happen. Is this is this where we loop around to Hornquist? Uh, sure. I know... Um, you know, it, the nail is not in his coffin for the 2018-19 season. Uh, plenty of hockey to go, but and at he, he, uh, five million, he, he hasn't shown anything through six games. It would be the the thing that we've discussed previously is that for, for the team to get as close to five million value out of him, he has to play on Sid's line. As soon as you move him away from Sid's line, the way Hornquist plays doesn't suit what Malcolm does. So you've got to push him down to Brassard's line. And Brassard, I don't think, is good enough to... I think he bring... I think he does see the ice well. But he needs not a guy who has no ability to make controlled plays on one of his sides. Well, he's a give-and-go center. You can't only give the puck to the left-hand side of the ice for a give-and-go. 
doesn't take NHL players long to work out that he's if you give and go to, to Hornquist, it's the give and the go goes straight to the corner. Because that's what Hornquist does. He dumps in. Once he hits that blue line, he dumps in and chases the puck down. I mean, he is great at, at puck recovery. But Broussard is not Sid. He is not the best grind of the game has ever seen. Broussard is tic-tac-toe kind of stuff. And when you can find him a winger that can do those kinds of things, I mean, that's why I think Dominic Simone works well with him in the offensive zone. Now, he's getting caved in as well, I believe. Yeah. So it's it's tough. Like, this team has the, the tools, I think, to do well. They just have to work out where they're going. And while they're throwing, throwing mud up against the wall and they're still winning and still getting points out of games if they, they lose an OT or, or shootouts, you can kind of deal with that. You, you kind of have to fill this out, work out who is playing well this year, who's in struggle town, and just filter the lineup to a point where you can kind of trust them. It's great that they're banking points while they haven't really figured anything out. Yeah, that's I mean, a, let's that's try a huge benefit. Let's find something positive. <laughs> so, back to not having many trade uh, options. You've mentioned Hornquist, which I think could have been an option, but I think uh, I'm going to go a different route with it. I think you're going to see the first-round pick and Daniel Sprong be bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what will happen. Absolutely. Because this, this Sprong is, is yep. at 30% possession, which is terrible. Uh, but he's, you know, played a lot with Colin and only really very few minutes outside of that fourth line. So I don't know how fair that is to him. So my my annoyance with this is that their biggest complaint about bringing Sprung up was his defensive play, about his responsibility and all those kinds of things. Now, he is getting absolutely caved in with that fourth line, but I've not seen him fly the zone once. I've not seen him not back check. So I don't know what else they want him to do in regards to the stuff they were concerned with. Well, but if you're going to have him so wound, if you're going to have him so wound up on that stuff, he's not going to go out and and try and blow the zone and try and use his shot and his skill set. I don't, they don't. I don't think this team, this coaching staff, know how to handle youth. Well, I think he he has made mistakes with the puck, and I think it is because they're mushing him. Just like they this sport is, this this sport is too fast to have players second guessing themselves, and if you get the puck on the blue line, either blue line, the offensive or the defensive blue line, and you have to get there and go, oh crap, what is it that they've been wanting me to do at this point? It's too late. You've, you've turned the puck over. You've either bobbled the puck and you've lost all speed exiting the zone, or the the, the forward has come up to you on the offensive blue line and has decided to strip you of the puck and is going the other way. So it's not it's not conducive to a player having any confidence in his own ability to to do what he's good at. So I, I don't know what options they have other than packaging the first with Sprong and or maybe Mata, but I mean you'd be selling the really low on him 
We see we're really low on Marner after watching him all the time for the last couple of years, but you still see people talk him up and up and up. I, I have a feeling that the 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 Niskanen taint is still all over him, and and people think that that's what they're <laughs> good, going to be getting. Good grief! My my, you know this what pod, I mean. This podcast took a rated R turn. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, taints in people's faces. Well, you know, he's struggled mightily since he's not been paired with Niskanen. And the point you make about throwing him with Latang's probably a really good one. But I think this coaching staff at the moment just go, okay, these are the things that we know. Let's try not to change too many variables to begin with. And, you know, I would prefer them to, to try and... and um, rip a team off with Hornquist. That's what I would prefer because I don't think you're going to get enough to help this team with a first and sprong. And they need help defensively. Whatever you think of the rest of the, the roster, and they do get Schultz back eventually, they need help on that back six. Well, your your little Hornquist idea, didn't. I think you private messaged me your pipe dream. Oh, yeah, pipe dream being just trading to Carolina for Fork, even if Fork was in a first for Justin Fork. <laughs> Knowing full well that that will never happen, and that is absolutely wrong. I don't know. They named their fucking preseason teams Grit and Grind. and Well, that was, that was legitimately what made me think of it. it was <laughs> quite clearly that's what Brindamore thinks this team was lacking. That they weren't, maybe, they weren't hard enough to play Maybe you got something against. there. The only, because I mean that you you have more things working for you than you think with that idea because Patrick Hornquist is and has been an analytics darling, but he also covers the grit grind crowd. So depending on what Eric Tulski looks at, if he's looking at some well, of the <laughs> war, war models that had have always had Hornquist above Crosby and Malkin for Christ's sake. Um, and you got the the owner and the coach that are all about the grit grind. Eh, might have yourself more than you think here. The Tulski, anybody that's gone from the analytics world into the NHL system, I feel like they don't use war models, which is the only thing I can think of that, that throws this out. I don't think they bother with know. war models. They'll have certain skill sets that they need to keep an eye on to make sure that the team's doing particular things. Um, I just they might because they, they might have their own. True, but, but at the moment there are massive flaws in all those war models that we get publicly. And as gifted as these guys are that have gone into the NHL system, I still think they're going to have those flaws because there's only so much data. I mean, the, the more variables you can put into a war model, the more accurate it's going to be in regards to giving us what each player is above replacement for their value. I just don't think there's enough variables in this sport that is full of freaking variables to, to give you a competent war model. And that's the... When you think about how many high danger chances Hornquist actually gets to stack because of where he plays. But you just don't feel like, as a Penguins fan, when you watch it with the eye test, you really get enough back for that work and that's where well, him you, mashing the puck into the pad three times is three high danger chances 
that's kind of he, my point. And he's, he's working kind of, his ass off doing it. I have no problem with the stat, and I have no problem that um, he gets credit for that because that is exactly he what's should. happening. And it, Absolutely. It, it's just kind of one of those mild loopholes where his just, high danger chances are, just aren't the same as other people. So we're basically Which is why just, his shooting percentage is so goddamn low regardless of the amount of high danger chances that he gets. It almost has to come a point where if you're shooting in the crease it should become a low danger chance because what's the chances of you being able to roof the puck from where you are? Pretty good. Really? Because Hornquist seems to not be able to do it. Well, he's got a different approach to it. But you ask physically, it's not hard yeah. to get the puck to go up at 90 degrees from up close. Well, he's that close, 90 degrees isn't enough. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> but you can go bar down from, like, at the goal line. Six six inches, yeah. it's a good point. I, I can do it. I'm not in the NHL. You just got to angle your blade. Well, he shows no touch with any of that kind of well, stuff anywhere and, on the and, ice. And that, so. and that is consistent and fluid throughout his whole game. His neutral zone play. Yeah. And even on the power play, any pass he makes is usually two feet, and it's to because he somehow accidentally got it on the breakout, and he's just giving it up to <laughs> whoever the... Whoever's closest, Latang, Phil, or Gino. well, credit where credit's due here for for Hornquist. Some one thing that frustrates me is that when players get to about twenty five or twenty six, they should know what their skill sets are. They should know what they're good at. They should know what they're bad at. What you don't want to do when you're in game situations is try and do stuff that you can't do. And Hornquist quite clearly understands what his skill set is. Oh yeah, and sticks this... with and sticks within that. I just wish somebody would have worked with him over the years because I don't think it's wasn't outside the realm of possibility to get him to be a little better on transition or how to not everything has to be a direct play. You can put it into areas that don't involve putting it off the boards first. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Because he Maybe does, he when he likes... dumps it in, sometimes they are um, smart in where he places them. Like, he certainly, and that's the thing that we've always said. It's tough when we sound like we criticize a lot. Uh, these guys are capable of making plays at times, and that includes Jack Johnson. And my favorite part about this year is going to be when he scores his first goal or makes a good play. My mentions in Twitter are going to be fantastic. Told you you could make a play, fucking stupid stat, fuck. This is yeah, why it's good he's an to, NHL uh, player. He's been an NHL player for a decade. I would hope he mixes in a fucking competent play. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? But these will be the same guys that that tag Latang for being reckless and irresponsible with the puck because his awesome stuff is the is the norm, and his mistakes are the the rarity. So it works it works in the other direction. It's it's amusing and it's sad. 
I guess the only so, yeah, other so thing... So, yes, I say Justin Fork needs to be the guy coming back. You heard it here first. Because they don't want him. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Grit and grind. Let's do it. I, I think the only problem with the scenario is that Sprung ha- hasn't shown them what they want. And I don't think they would make that move. No, that's... For me, Sprung doesn't have the the stuff that Carolina want. And no, no, I'm not talking about Sprung to Carolina. I'm talking about oh, just Pittsburgh's willingness. Oh, yeah. No, no. The, whatever it is that they need from Sprung, he's not shown them any of that. Like, if he came out all. of the gate hot... I think I'd uh, be a little bit warmer on that proposition. Well, it'd be good if he was playing with some centers that could give him the puck. Yeah. Well, he's got to earn a little bit of that, but at the same time, you know, I don't think he's... So explain to me how Jake Gensel earned his spot up with Sid. Did he come out of the gate like a bullet and was just flying? Because I feel like... Shot. Shift. He'd Mario Lemieux. Oh, that's true. All right. So, you, yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> he Lemieux that I just, I, You just get there and go, Sprong can quite clearly shoot the puck and quite clearly knows where to be on the ice to shoot high-quality chances. But if you don't have the puck, you can never get there. You know, you kind of go, oh, I really hope somebody gets injured and it forces him up the lineup. But you don't want someone to get injured, you know? No, no. So, I don't know. I guess that's where I stand six games into the Penguin season. I don't mean to paint a glum picture, but... Just imagine what we're going to be like after 20. I just think that it would be... It's a little (laughs) bit naive and ignorant to not understand that without Schultz, outside of the top pairing as it's currently constructed, there isn't much hope for improvement. No, absolutely agree. So I, I would find it very funny if Rue Riedel came into the lineup and Jack Johnson came out and they were better. That would just be funny. Well, I can give you a little spoiler. They would be better. Yeah, but we both know that he's not actually going to come out. That was sort of more why I chuckled at that. He's not going to be the one that yeah, gets out of the lineup. It's fucking funny. I love watching shitty players every fucking time. <laughs> um so yeah pittsburgh uh where where do you want to go uh i know you got a yeah i i know you you weren't like super into bringing up mr wang but i had a few things i needed to say far away as you uh you're like, I don't want to <laughs> pile yeah. on the freshly dead. And I said, well, I'll try not to. Well, here we are. Charles, right, let's do it. Uh, tremendous businessman. And um, I have to say, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because it reminds me of the situation that the Buffalo Bills had for years and years and years and that was you have a super tremendously loyal to the region owner who without the team would have moved 
but you also have a fucking loony lawyer that makes a lot of shitty choices as far as the <laughs> on-field, on-ice product. And it's the worst kind of double-edged sword because, like, you needed, you can't not have that owner because your team's gone. But having them means you just have a shitty team. And that was Ralph Wilson with the Buffalo Bills forever. And that was the the deal with the Charles Wang Islanders. Yeah, you've done well enough to shit all over him there. In fact, it was a decent compliment when you think about it. Well, I didn't bring up Milbury or the DiPietro contract. I suppose what's worse, having a terrible team or not having a team to be angry at? I, don't I would suggest not having a team to be angry at, I don't to know. be honest. It just It's such a Buffalo Bills situation. <laughs> and then you get the they, rich... They did well and then today, you have the rich they? next owner... That takes over, and they suck, too. Yeah, they fuck. I, I don't watch them anymore. Oh, shit. I got the Red Zone channel on, and they just put the Bills Colts on. I was going to say, I don't watch them. Because they're, yeah. they're, they're such a piece of shit team. They talk about the process all the time. They don't. They, they just knew it's... A, they, they say that for marketing. They, they It's a buzzword for them. They don't actually have a process with any of this. How could they? Look at how... What a... They're fucking terrible. And, you know, if Colin Kaepernick just wants to win his collusion argument, he can just say Buffalo Bills quarterback situation and they will he will win. Doesn't even need a lawyer. <laughs> just walk in with that. Done. I'll uh, I'll Dude, see they you keep with playing my... Nate Peterman. I know nothing about that sport apart I know from you the don't. fact that it's not really football because you guys throw it everywhere. Mm. Um, but, yeah, even I know that Nate Peterman is not good. That shows you how it bleeds into my Twitter feed, and it's not just from you, by the way. No, he's might be the worst quarterback of all time. He's probably going to start against New England on Monday Night Football next week. That should be fun. Didn't, you got, didn't Buffalo have a decent... Like young quarterback coming in that was supposed to help change the franchise, or have I misread that somewhere? They drafted Josh Allen, who was the strong-armed, big, big hands, playing cold weather guy, uh, which says nothing about his ability to read the field or throw accurately. <laughs> and they traded right. up for him, which um, analytically speaking from the football people um, on that side of things. We're not big fans of that move. Was it, eyebrow, was it an eyebrow razor, was it? It wasn't an eyebrow razor because it was predicted. Jesus, radio. Because they, they're just stupid. Because they suck. You were going to say it's because they suck. They do suck. They're fucking terrible. I, I, I just told you I don't watch them on Sunday. <laughs> I know, I know. I just no. watch the Red Zone channel. <laughs> some, and and you know what? They never make it on the Red Zone channel because their games are so fucking boring. So why are they on now? Oh, they were just showing an Andrew Luck touchdown. Oh, okay. So the, there were no the Bills highlights. It was all Colts touchdowns. But technically, you know, the Bills were on my screen for the first time today. <laughs> All right, let's discuss the other Buffalo team. 
Um, okay. Phil Housley sucks. The you players know? look confused. I mean, the Sabres uh, still got a ways to go talent-wise, but in the bit that I've watched in the, some of the stuff I've been monitoring, I see Rasmus Ristolainen still getting thrusted into these high-leverage situations, and I see uh, Rasmus Dahlin not. Oh, because he's a rookie. Rist, Come on. Rist, Rist playing clo- uh, basically 26 minutes a night while Dolan's playing 19. Wasn't, wasn't You cannot the... tell me. You won, like, you can't act like it was such a big deal to win the number one overall pick, the best defense prospect in quite some, quite some time. What's the point of not using him when he's on his ELC? Like, what what are you fucking worried about? I don't... I thought the whole point of, of locking into him was to be able to reduce Ristolainen's high leverage minutes and allow Ristolainen to maybe not play against everyone's top, top players and give him a or, chance to... Or, or here's a crazy thought. Maybe make it a Razmai pairing absolutely if you're gonna play Ristoline in those fucking minutes he can't handle why not pair him up with the other stud i'm the actual stud yeah the actual good rasmus um i'm i wonder whether some of these coaches treat players now like they were treated back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, I, I, think you know, I mean, Phil Housley, Phil Housley had to work really hard to get his break in regards to minutes and then absolutely tore it up. Like, Housley was, was great as, a, as an offensive defenseman. I, I, everybody gets shaped by their life experiences. I can't see how this is any different, that he's going to treat this situation any differently to what he has in the past. It's probably one of the reasons why I would like to see more coaches in the NHL who weren't players at the elite level. I'd like to see more coaches who have done all their coaching through development all the way through from when they were 20 and went, yep, I want to coach and have worked their way up the system that way, as opposed to ex players that have, you know, a a foot in the door already because everybody knows who they are because of name recognition. Yeah, I have no problems with that. You know what makes or, a great or player, the player coach? or if the or if the the, the players would just, um, you know, not do the things they do when they coach. But yeah, Ristolainen's at twenty six minutes. Eichel's the next one at around twenty. The, he, why is that guy playing six more minutes than anybody on the team? It's bad coaching. It's status quo coaching. And it's it's them legitimately thinking they have to protect Darlene to play 82 games. Which is ridiculous. If I win the Darlene lottery, I'm acting like it. 
I think like, this that's is like another... winning Connor McDavid and uh, not to that extent. But they didn't baby Eichel. Well, the other thing is Florida didn't baby Ekblad either, right? And I or think Barkov. some of this is to do with true. But Barkov was playing here. Well, it wasn't here. Good grief, I'm in the wrong country. Barkov was playing in North America, wasn't he? Didn't he get drafted from North America? He wasn't playing in Europe. Oh, gosh. I don't even know. Yeah, I know. This, that's, yeah. So I'm running with the theory that Ekblad plays a bazillion games in Canada. So the theory is that he could hold up to an 82-game year. Rasmus Dahlin, that said, though, he was playing against juniors. Rasmus Dahlin plays, what, maybe 40 games against men at the age of 17? Oh, he can't handle playing 25, 26 minutes a night in the NHL for 82 games. I just There's a massive flaw in that thinking. Cross that bridge you know, if it just, gets there. Correct. If like, you know, we were kind of bullish on the the Sabers, you know, being right on the fringe of that playoff edge, but you got to play your best players the most. And if you're not going to do that, well, it's not the players' fault. I mean, you'll get there and maybe start hearing people try to do that and blame the players, but it's certainly not the players' fault if you're not getting out there on the ice. Yeah. And Middlestad hasn't been good, but I'd argue playing with Kyle Oposo is probably not good these days either. It's a tough contract, that one. Boy, they, they went all in on Islanders' wingers propped up by John Tavares. Give uh, give Pagula credit, though. He did open the checkbook. It just it wasn't used correctly. Yeah, certainly not. And... Buffalo has some pretty good AHL defensemen that are scoring quite a bundle of points so far in the AHL year. One of them, of course, got hurt, I think, on Friday night. I haven't seen an update on that, if it's long-term or not. But they should be taking a chance with Dolan. They should be taking a chance with, uh, I think his name's Olafson. And, Anybody from uh, North America? <laughs> um, yeah, no. All sounds to, very Scandinavian. Trying to think of the other guy. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Olafson's the one guy. Um, couldn't be any worse than the shit they're putting out there right now I do I do want like you know we sit here from the outside and, and you, you know, we pontificate about all these sorts of things but I wonder what are the conversations that are being had by management with the AHL teams and, and, and leading into the season it's like what are their expectations of what certain players are going to be able to do and why why do they make the decisions that they do it's, it's the thing that it would be great to actually have a proper, um, a year-long video documentary on how a team runs itself. You'll never get it because nobody wants to expose their idiocy. Um, but that I would did. be fascinating. If Olafson's not even a defenseman. You know what I mean? So I was way off on my rant. I thought Olafson was a defenseman. He's not. But he does have 14 points in eight games as a winger. That 
can't hurt. And Zach Redmond's a defenseman who has 12 points in eight games. And Lawrence Shit, they're in, Pillett they're has in 10 NHL points in six in. games. So those are players to watch if they can continue those point rates. Um, I suppose the other thing that's frustrating with Darlene is that he's going to be on his second contract at 22. Yeah, and it's going to be a big one. Yeah, rightfully so. And and that's where you, you really do have to try and make hay while the sun shines. Well, I know it's not great to have a merry-go-round of coaches, but I don't think Phil Housley has the goods uh, to maximize that roster. So. Yeah, the challenge you've got now is who do you go to? I guess the only uh, other... I guess the only other things I have league-wide are... Um, Anaheim leads the league in save percentage. They are a dog shit team. So if Josh Gibson no, I watched, comes down yeah. to earth, man, I watched, that's going to be a lottery I watched that team. Game. I, I watched that game, Vegas, um, Anaheim yesterday, and I think Vegas are actually going to be okay. I, I think they'll end up getting themselves back to where they kind so, of want to be. I was going to bring them up. They are... Suffering from some PDO. They have a 4.5% shooting percentage at even strength. And flurry has been bad so far. He was much better in that game. Yeah, yep. He looked he looked better. So, you, a little bit like Pittsburgh with Murray. You, you, as a fan, you've got to sit there and you've got to hope that that, that trend is, is not uh, a, a mountaintop, but it is a nice slow slope up in the right direction. So, and then we... I, think we referenced Ottawa's 12 and a half percent shooting percentage uh that is keeping them afloat right now uh Arizona shooting two percent can they ever get any luck at all like with anything like that or anything well yeah but it's like it's almost like they get good goaltending when you they can't get the puck in the net they can get the puck in the net but then they have terrible goaltending they're two it's and five. Like, <laughs> and, and if they keep going with that trend, you're going to get to game 20 again. And just like last year, they were out early because Auntie, Auntie Ramsey was stuffed. So it, I wouldn't mind their franchise having a little bit of luck. I wouldn't mind them moving. Yeah, but that's a conversation for another day, isn't it, really? It's been a conversation like every week since they've had a team. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely has. And rightfully so, because their arena situation makes no sense. Yes, this is very true. So, fuck you, Coyotes. Although I gotta <laughs> say, their their jerseys are pretty cool. It is a nice, it is a nice looking thing. All right, well, I haven't got anything of significance to, uh, left to pass on to anybody. I mean, I think LA is trash. Um, yep. And that'll be something that we can delve I into. I saw somebody talking about the, well. their locker room culture, and I'm thinking, 
A lot of their main guys are still the same. It's funny how culture gets brought up, you know, when the team's losing, but not. Yeah. 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 There's not there's not a big change there in regards to the players that are there. That's all right. It'll be Kopitar's fault anyway. It certainly won't be Drew Doughty's. Or quick. Well, yeah. He had a good yeah. year last year. I can give him that, but. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Um, Patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Facebook. Yeah, I think so. Hockey hurts. Twitter, hockey underscore hurts. Walshy 66, Gunnar Stahl, and Hockey Buzz for the worst month of the year writing. <laughs> sell it. Go on, yeah. sell it, man. Well done. I don't know. I mean, there's, I have no statistical ideas on the horizon here until I get a sample. <laughs> You're also trying to avoid the knee-jerk hot take, this is definitely awesome or this is definitely terrible kind of stuff. I get it. No, I legitimately get it. It's I love doing the podcast because I get to talk hockey and all this sort of stuff, but it is really hard to do anything. Like You're trying to see trends of stuff that's going on in six games. It's like that. It, it's difficult to do. I'll try my best. That that's That's the guarantee. It's all right. You're not a Jedi, so you can try. Yeah, I am not a Jedi or a fan of those movies. I know, which is why I knew you weren't going to get it. I know what. I'm familiar. I just, you know, <laughs> don't masturbate to the Star Wars series. I, I don't guess. either. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> I wasn't. I'm not that crazy. To... I'll just say this. I do enjoy the Triumph, the insult comic dog when he went to the Star Wars premiere back in the late night with Conan O'Brien days. That's one of my favorite skits. So Star Wars did give me that. So that was good. All right. You're going to have to say that to me because I've no idea what you're talking about. I'll send you a link. Thank you very much. So. All right. We better get on the hop because someone's got to go to work. Not me. Yeah. Piss off, you bastard. See ya. Bye.